How's it going, friends? Welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavere, a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Genius Foods. In this episode of the show, I'm super excited to introduce you to my friend, Lauren Miller Rogan. Lauren is an actor, a filmmaker, and along with her husband, Seth, started the foundation Hilarity for Charity. At a young age, Lauren's mother developed Alzheimer's disease, and she decided to do everything in her power to help support caregivers and raise awareness about the condition. They run star-studded comedy events all around the U.S., and last year, debuted their first ever Netflix special. According to USA Today, Hilarity for Charity has raised more than $7.5 million to date, and some of that money is now going toward prevention efforts, which we're going to get into. Over the next hour, we're going to discuss what it's really like to have a loved one with dementia, how Lauren is using celebrity and humor to get younger people talking about the condition, and the specific steps that Lauren is now taking to minimize her risk, seeing as how her family tree is littered with the disease. We're we're going to go into sleep, exercise, and of course, diet, including Lauren's relationship with ice cream. This is one of my favorite discussions that I've had on The Genius Life to date, partly because I can relate so much to Lauren's plight. So I'm excited for you to listen to it. It is going to be revealing and informative all at once in true Genius Life fashion. Now, before we really dive into it, I want to give a shout out to the sponsor of this episode of the show, and that is my good friends at Nordic Naturals. Nordic Naturals makes an incredibly pure fish oil product. And one of the great things about Nordic Naturals that separates them from all of the other brands that I've seen really Really, is that they offer a certificate of analysis for all of their omega-3 products, which verify potency, purity, freshness, sustainability, and that their fish oils have no radionuclide activity, meaning they're not radioactive. If you're on the market for high-quality fish oil, I suggest definitely checking out Nordic Naturals. Their fish oils are generally in a super bioavailable triglyceride form, and all you got to do is go to um, the lot number, which is printed on every single bottle, and then go to their website where you can find the certificate of analysis for your specific product. Now, the fat of oily fish has a number of important um, roles that it can play in the body, everything from helping... Uh, support brain health to cardiovascular health. And on days that I'm not eating, you know, fatty fish, which is not always super convenient, uh, especially when I'm traveling on the road and I'm not sure of the quality of the fish um, that is available to me, I will bring my fish oil with me. And the fish oil that I'm bringing with me is Nordic Naturals. So again, check them out. You can go to nordicnaturals.com. Um, you can find their stuff anywhere, Amazon, the like. And uh, tell them Max sent you. All right, guys, I'm really excited to um, dive into this chat with Lauren Miller Rogan. She is the bomb. Before we get into it, guys, please take a moment to support The Genius Life. You can do that by leaving a rating and review for this show on iTunes so that I can continue week after week to bring you high-quality interviews. You can also spread the word about it by posting a screenshot on your Instagram stories or tweeting a link. I would really, really, really appreciate that. And then finally, join my newsletter. I've got a number of um, speaking gigs that are coming up that are open to the public, and uh, there's no better way for me to let you know about uh, what I'm up to than through that uh, you know, email newsletter line of communication, and you can opt out anytime, but I highly recommend uh, joining my newsletter. And by signing up, you're going to immediately get a list of supplements that you can use to potentially boost your brain function, as well as my top sleep hack. So sign up at maxlugavir.com, enter your first and last name and your email address, and we will be in touch. All right, without further ado, I'm excited to get into my chat with Mrs. Miller Rogan. She is, like I said, uh, incredible. So here we go. Let's rock. Lauren, what's going on? Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming here. Yeah. Thanks. yeah. Yes, that's right. I'm in your place. <laughs> thanks for thanks for hosting me. Um, 
So, man, I'm excited to talk to you because you and I have kind of like a shared uh, story, shared journey. We do. Yeah. For better or worse. I mean, I would say definitely worse. Yeah. But it's been remarkable how you've been able to, you know, like me, like what I've tried to do is transform it into something meaningful and positive to take calamity, you know, and, and make something mm-hmm. somehow positive out of it. Yeah. Um, so for my listeners who don't, who aren't familiar with you and your work, let's start at the beginning. Like, yeah. You founded Hilarity for Charity, um, but it's not just any type of charity that you're, you know, that you're benefiting mm-hmm. with your work, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's Alzheimer's related mm-hmm. research. Why, yeah. is, why is Alzheimer's so uh, important to you? Um, I, f- I feel like this, this is, this story can take hours if I let it. So I'll try to be brief, but, um, you know, unfortunately, um, Alzheimer's, uh, was a part of my life for as long as I can remember. My grandfather, uh, on my mom's side had it when I was young. He went into a nursing home, I guess, when I was probably, I, I'm not, I don't even know, really seven, eight, nine, somewhere around there. Um, and he passed away when I was 12. And then my grandmother, my mom's mom, uh, started developing dementia. She was confused and missing meals, et cetera. Mm. Um, and she went into a facility when she, when I was 16, I think she was probably 76 maybe at the time, 74, I'm not sure. Um, and, and her diagnosis always flip-flopped back and forth. It was, sometimes it was Parkinson's, sometimes it was Alzheimer's, whatever it was, it was dementia. Um, and then she passed away when I was 18. And then at my college graduation, when I was 22, uh, my mom repeated herself a few times and told me the same story over and over again. Wow. And I was like, fuck. Oh, man. Already? And How old um, was she? She was uh, 52. Oof. So, um, you know, and it was one of those things where my mom, now I have the perspective, uh, kind of perspective on what she might have been going through leading up to that point which I certainly hadn't thought of at that point in my life. Like, what was my mom's headspace while she had been losing her parents to Alzheimer's for the previous 15 years straight? And so who knows the depression that she felt? You know, those were certainly not things that she and I talked about when I was a teenager. Um, But then when this happened to her, it seemed really, really too soon. And, you know, I wasn't prepared. She wasn't prepared. And we, none of us thought if that was going to happen, then it would happen then, even though she kept saying, when I get Alzheimer's, when we grew up, she'd say, when I get Alzheimer's. And I would always say, stop saying that. Don't say that. But then that happened. And she was diagnosed. She was sort of like casually diagnosed at like 53, 54, but then sort of officially diagnosed at 55. Mm. Um uh, my parents were living in, in Lakeland, Florida at the time. It's in between Tampa and Orlando. Um, they went to USF where there's a, a good Alzheimer's center there. Um, and, you know, this was, what, what year was it? 2006, hmm. I want to say maybe. And so like at that point, and today there, it's not like there's a drug that can slow it down or cure it or anything. So especially then there was nothing. And, you know, she did a few trials, the... Uh, amuzumabs or whatever they are they're all named something like that (laughs) (laughs) and um and she did a few and you know of course nothing helped and um and then eventually you know here we are you know all these years later and she's 58 and she has not walked or talked or cared for herself in close to four or five years but because she has the healthy body of a 68 year old woman who is well taken care of um that is who she is. She is a shell of who she was. And my family has certainly been through it. And 
you know, we've had our ups or downs or all arounds and just, it's been a wild ride. And somewhere along the way, we just thought we have to do something about it. And we have an opportunity because my husband, you know, has people who listen to him and like him and are interested in what he's doing. And we know people who are generous and fortunate enough to be generous and thought, hey, let's take advantage of them and get their money and yeah. and form something. And so, um, you know, my husband is a comedian and I dabble in comedy. And so it just seemed like, hey, hilarity for charity and we'll benefit Alzheimer's. And I always joke that one day, one day when we cure Alzheimer's, we'll keep the name vague so that then we can go on to dog longevity is my next cause. Dog longevity. Dog longevity. <laughs> 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 but, uh, you know, I'm not making any plans for that in the future anytime soon. So, unfortunately, I li- I <laughs> someone like else it. has got to do that for now. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah, but that's the story. Wow. The big picture. So, your mom's 68 now? She's 68, yeah. 68, wow. Mm-hmm. And it started at your graduation? Yeah, I mean, you know, but like, like you or anyone who's been through this, it's like, once you know, you look back and you're like, oh, there was that. And oh, that thing. And oh, that thing. You know, so who knows? And, and what we know scientifically is certainly if we saw, if I saw a symptom of it, then, you know, it had been in her brain for who knows how much, you know, 10, 20, who knows? Brewing. So, mm-hmm. Waiting, waiting to break all of our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. What, I mean, and, you know, have you, um, I mean, there is a degree of forgetfulness that usually accompanies getting older, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. What was it? specifically that made you think that something was maybe a little more serious? You know, I can't even say it's one thing. I think it was my being so familiar with Alzheimer's and with dementia that it was almost like a a tone in the forgetfulness. You know mm. what I mean? Because everyone's like, wait, wait, did I tell you this already? It's almost like a confidence in the, she had no idea she had told me that already. Wow. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not even the it, it, like one of the, the things that I heard a long time ago of the way you can explain Alzheimer's is like everyone forgets where they parked. The person who forgets they drove to the mall in the first place has an issue. Hmm. You know, and so it's like everyone's like, wait, where the where did I do the wait? Did I tell you this already? You know. Yeah. But it's like there is a, just no idea that this was already said. Hmm. And how quickly did it did it progress after that? Well, you know, I mean, it was definitely a slow, painful road of like, no, 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 there's nothing, nothing, nothing. So oh. then I would say a year and a half later, um, I had started dating. So shortly, I moved to Los Angeles two weeks after graduation. And so, you know, I was not living with my parents. My mom came out to visit that spring break. And I definitely was like, maybe something, whatever. We had a great time. And it was like, finally, we were like kind of grown-ups hanging out together, which was really fun and awesome. And then I went home a few times, like once or twice, I guess, in between. And I saw her, but didn't, you know, I was like, ah, oh, whatever. Not a big deal. And then they came out here. I'd been out here a year and a half. So it was a year and a half after my graduation. Hmm. And I just started dating Seth like three months before. That was like the first time they were meeting him. And um, we had like a whole weekend together and there were, I can't remember exactly what they were, but there were a few things that happened throughout the weekend. And when I came back to Seth's apartment after I dropped my parents at the airport was the first time I said it out loud to anyone that I was concerned about her. Mm. And it was like the first time I cried about it. And I was like, something's not right. And I remember he was like, no, no, she seems fine. And I'm like, you don't know her. 
like you don't know her at all so like no it's not and there were there was definitely like from that point you know then then honestly as crazy as it sounds I can I can mark it with like my relationship because the beats of like us being together when we were with our parents so then like so then it was two years after that and um my parents were out here again um it was the release of Knocked Up and we had a lot of family down and um, and we had everyone over at our house, um, for like a barbecue. And my mom always made this amazing taco salad and Seth's dad is a vegetarian. And mm-hmm. so we were like, okay, so make two taco salads, one with the meat and one without the meat. And she couldn't do it. And I kept having to take the meat out of the vegetarian salad. I kept having to show her over and over again where the trash was. I kept having to like show her things, telling her things. And it was like, okay, there's really something wrong here. And I remember my sister-in-law wasn't my sister-in-law at the time. She was my boyfriend's girl, my boyfriend's sister. But anyway, she was like, asked me if my mom was okay, which that really was like, other people are seeing it. Hmm. Um, And so I guess I was, at that point she was, she was probably 20 or she was 55, I guess. Maybe she was like 55 then. And so that, I think that was what pushed me and both me, me and my brother to say to my dad, you have to take her. Wow. And that was like her thing, making that salad. Mm-hmm. You know what's crazy is that that was cooking with my mom was also probably around the time when I first started to see that mm. something was, was wrong with my mom. In what way? Well, I would be, I would, I would love to cook with my mom. It was mm-hmm. one of my favorite things to do. And um, I would ask her, for example, we would be in the kitchen. And, you know, in, the, in a New York City apartment, which is where I'm from, the <laughs> kitchens are small. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I would... Um, I would always like, I just remember asking her to pass me something like, mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, sp- specifically what it was. There were probably a few instances, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it was like a salt or mm-hmm. a spice or something. And, you know, in a, in a young person, a mm-hmm. younger person who's in their fifties, you would expect them to receive the, the gesture, you know, mm-hmm. like mom, pass me the salt. Mm-hmm. And for them to basically instantly act on that, right? right? But she, it would take her like just a few extra beats Mm. where suddenly it was just like something slowed down. Right. You know, and you might expect to kind of see that decline in in a person's processing speed if you're talking to, say, an 80-year-old person. Sure. But certainly not somebody in their 50s. Right. Someone who's like, my mom was, she was teaching. She was a first grade teacher. Literally at that time, she was teaching children how to read, Hmm. which certainly ended shortly after that. Hmm. But yeah, it's it's like, and isn't it? It's like it's not really like a specific thing. It's just sort of like a feeling. Yeah. It's like, a, like I said, like a tone. Yeah. I think it's hard to describe because every case of dementia is different. Mm-hmm. You know, they say once you've seen right. one case of dementia, you've <laughs> right. seen one case of dementia. Right. Right. So it's like we have that shared, that shared angst. You know, mm-hmm. of watching like a loved person mm-hmm. descend into 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 the madness that is yeah. dementia. But yeah. It's it really is kind of a lonely place to be at the same time because mm-hmm. it's different for every person. Right, right, right. And 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 what's interesting was it was different for every person in my family. So I I remember saying to my dad, you know, this is getting, you know, this is happening. This is noticeable. And he was like, no, 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 it's not. No, it's not. And I said to him, you know how when you know a baby but you don't see this baby all the time and you see it and then it's been two months and then you see it and you're like holy moly this baby's huge what happened yeah i haven't seen mom in three months so now i'm seeing her after three months and holy shit it's huge wow and like and that was sort of like what was like okay i see that she is declining Hmm. we've got to take her to the doctor 
Wow. Yeah. Did you start going with her to doctor's appointments? No. So they were in Florida. And, you know, and I asked my mom early on in her diagnosis, I remember this very clearly. When I was a teenager, I read in um, like a 17 magazine that you should have difficult discussions in the car because, because they, it always comes to an end. Whoa. And, and it was like, if you have something difficult to talk about with someone, talk about it on a drive, bring it up on a drive because no matter what, you will get to where you're going and it, you will have to end. Wow. And I was like, ooh, smart. So I remember one time she and I went to Target together and I brought it up because I was like, oh, I'm scared. But I asked her if she was scared. And she told me, and this is so my mom, that she wasn't scared for her, but she was scared for us because she knew what we were facing because she had seen her parents go through it. Hmm. And, um, but that no matter what, I was to not move home to Florida because it was very important for her to live my life. And at this point, you know, I had a job, I had a boyfriend, serious relationship and a life. I had a full life out here. And, um, and so she made it very clear it was to not move home. So the answer was no, I did not go to appointments with her. I talked to her, I emailed with her doctor all the time. To this day, I see her, I saw her at the Alzheimer's International Conference two weeks ago. Like mm. we talk all the time. Um, I mean, not all the time, but we talk. Um, and, um, you know, I'd email with her and certainly in the loop with my dad, but, um, but no, we never went because she, both of them, to the point where this became an issue later on, of course, wanted to shield me and my brother, I think, from as much of it as they could, hmm. which wasn't possible later on. Hmm. Yeah. Man. And so, she, and so now she's, are you, are you, you're able to communicate with her? So, no, I mean, so, so about seven years ago, um, so I, well, I guess about eight or nine years ago, she reached the point where she was just wandering all day long. She would walk for nine hours a day without sitting down. You know, she would get up in the morning and literally not sit. Sometimes she would sit for five seconds and hop up again. Wow. Um, and then she started screaming. Um, so she was walking and screaming all day long. Um, and, and that's hard to comprehend, I know, Um I'm literally hopefully weeks away from finally finishing our documentary in which I have video of it, which I remember the day I shot it years before I planned to make a documentary and had the thought of if people saw this, they wouldn't believe it. Um, but, um, but yeah. And so eventually we got my dad and this is what I mean when we had to step in because my dad was doing it all himself. I mean, he was with her from eventually. So, so she was asked to retire from her teaching job very respectfully and they were lovely and everyone understood. Um, and so then she was alone for, I don't even think it was a full year. And then it became clear she couldn't be home alone. And so my dad retired early, which wasn't something we could really afford at the time, but he did it. Hmm. Um, unfortunately, you know, my brother and I and Seth were able to support them a bit. Um, and, um, and so, but he didn't want help in the house. My dad was like, I don't need it. I, I got this. He's a real man. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I, I take care of my family. And so, but it got really bad. And then she became incontinent. And so, and, but still aware enough that she wasn't going to wear a diaper. And so my dad had tarps on their floors of their house to catch accidents. And it was not a good situation. And, um, and so eventually sort of through going the route of saying, hey, this is hurting me. And my brother saying, this is hurting me. Watching you, you know, go downhill more than she is even because 
caring for her is so much, you have to have some help in the house. So we did that for a little bit and they were great, but he did not like people being in the house. And then one day, a woman that we know out here who ran a support group that I was a part of called me up because she knew that I was like just in this turmoil of like my parents being across the country and not being able to do anything, but knowing that they were in pain and living in this terrible situation. And she said, you know, I know you wish they lived out here. What if you offered to get a duplex and your dad could live on one side and your mom could live on the other and she could have care because I know your dad doesn't want your mom in a nursing home and yada, yada. And so I pitched him and he literally went, well, that could work. Hmm. And within a week, I had gotten a duplex for them out here because I very fortunately able to do that. Um, and within, I would say, six weeks, two months, they were living out here. Wow. And so my mom was on one side, was still on one side with full-time care, and my dad is on the other side. And so, you know, when she came out here, she was still walking and screaming. And I would say two weeks after she got here, she had her first uh, grand mal seizure. Oh, man. <laughs> Which, you know, for us inexperienced seizure experiencers was real scary. Now we understand they are unfortunately part of some people's journey with this disease. Mm. Um, and so now my dad is much less shaken by them. Um, but that happened. And so I would say after having a, a couple of those over the span of the first two or three years, eventually after the last one, which was probably four or five years ago, she never got up again as far as walking goes. Um, so, and then she hasn't been verbally communicative. Uh, I mean, honestly, since before that, I would say, you know, maybe you could get a hello or a hi, you know, and and I would say as far as even eye contact at this point, it's probably been a couple of years. Oh, man. Um, you know, occasionally we can get a look, you know, a, a, a bright look, I would say, which feels great. Also feels terrible because watching her is really painful. Um, but, you know, she's a 68-year-old woman who will still swallow if you put pureed food in her mouth. Hmm. So she is there. That's the reality. Ooh, bringing me back. I know. Uh, it's a real bummer, isn't it? It's a real bummer. It's the worst. It's life, you know. It's, it's so, you know, Hilarity for Charity has this uh, care grant program uh, where we provide care for people. And so every month we read applications for people who are applying for our program Um and um, that just reminds me, I need to read some now because I have 45 to read this month, which is a lot. Um, oh, man. Applications? Applications, wow. um, which is great. And the truth is, if anyone hears this and they're thinking of applying, please apply because huh. we have money and we want to give it to you for care. Wow. Um, but, um, um, you know, my family's story is far from the saddest story out there. And we are far from alone. And our reality is, you know, far from unique in this situation which is just so crazy I think you know like I said about this video of my mom screaming when I took it I said you know if people saw this they wouldn't believe it and I just think that you know this disease is still kept so quiet and the reality of it is often kept so secret that like it's why we're not further along in it and and and, we're, and it's gotten better in the last few years it's gotten way better but it's yeah. it's so scary I understand why you want to turn away I mean, there's all these weird things that only somebody who has direct experience with dementia will will recognize. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like if you if you know, then you know. Right. You know, I mean, right. finding a purse in a refrigerator, mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. or 
um, a mm. TV remote control on the hook of a phone. Right. It's just right. like these are all right. the things that you, mm-hmm. you know, that you see. And, and there's just like there's a countless of these little like just little, you know, illustrations of, of where mm-hmm. <laughs> dementia really can ravage the brain. And it, it makes you realize how much we take for granted, Yeah. right? I mean, just having your cognitive faculties in order. Mm-hmm. I mean, knowing how to use the bathroom, yeah. open a door. Yeah. You know, I mean, these are all the things that become really difficult. Yeah. And I think, and I think like, unless you've witnessed it firsthand, you don't understand what it means to lose your memory. Right. Like, you know, when people ask, like, does she remember you today? Like, are there good days and bad days? It's it's not really quite like that. And yes, there are better days than other days, certainly. But like, to lose one's memory is not, it's it's not a thing that comes and goes. It's not a thing that like, sometimes you remember what a spoon is and sometimes you do. It's just gone. And it's not even like, oh, I don't remember, you know, the spoon is for the liquids and the fork is for the solids it's like you don't know that a spoon has anything to do with food at all yeah a hundred percent yeah you don't remember how to feed yourself mm-hmm. just all these like mm-hmm. basic mm-hmm. things you become a child yeah. again yeah i always say it's everything it's forgetting everything that is to be a person yeah mm-hmm. and it's and that's one of the reasons why it becomes such a strain on the caregivers mm-hmm. right yeah it's like a, a caregiver's disease too in a way yeah well it's you know it's taking care of a baby who then doesn't get more mature doesn't get more self-sufficient and is only emotionally painful because they are going backwards and so it's the pain it's the need the constant 24 7 need of a tiny baby without any of the reward yeah with only pain this is a real bummer welcome to the bummer podcast oh man (laughs) but it's it's so but it's reality well okay so let's shift shift gears a little Mm -hmm. bit and talk about prevention because Mm -hmm. um you and i actually initially met through our mutual friend and colleague richard isaacson richard isaacson richard isaacson who's just like a sweetheart Changing, changing the way we think about and care about our brains. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's the man. Um, so for you, those of you who don't know, Richard Isaacson is, uh, he heads up the Alzheimer's Prevention Clinic at Wild Cornell Medicine, New York Presbyterian. I've actually been able to collaborate with him in a number of different ways, helping create ed- educational tools and the like. Um, but we met, I guess it was like a symposium, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where he was giving a talk mm-hmm. and you were there. Mm-hmm. And since then, Hilarity for Charity has sort of become engaged with the research itself, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so we originally started as a fund within the Alzheimer's Association, and that's where we grew for the first couple of years, which was great, and they were an amazing support for us. Um, but then once we were able to, you know, have our feet on the ground and sort of really see where we wanted to be as an organization, we really realized we needed a full-time staff and to be fully dedicated to our mission. We certainly care for them very much and still fund some research through them, absolutely. But um, but sort of informing our own organization, our own 501c3, it was really important for us to really sort of really solidify our mission to our research and sort of really have a direction that we were going and, and also to realize that like we're not, fu- we're not raising the type of money that the Alzheimer's Association, as an example, is raising. And so we're not going to fund the type of research that is going to cure, I say in quotes, Alzheimer's. We're not going to fund the medication trials to, 
you know, treat Alzheimer's disease. We don't raise that kind of money. I would like to. So if anyone wants to write us a billion dollar check, please, by all means, I will <laughs> give you our routing number. But um, but what we can do, it was the thing I learned when I worked at The Gap uh, when I was in high school. Sometimes you can't do everything, but what you can do is, um, and so what we can do is um, listen to our mission, which is to help young people find a voice in this disease. And young people can start taking care of their brains and potentially prevent or delay the onset of Alzheimer's. And so we have, you know, really tried to listen to what's out there. And of course, you know, found uh, Dr. Isaacson, who's really sort of paving the way, I think, in this prevention field. Um, And so have really, uh, you know, invested in supporting his research and, um, and sort of learning about all these amazing ways that we can keep our brains healthy. And it's so cool, the many things that we can do. I do it. And I, you know, try to, you know, I didn't in, in the first while of her hearing about all this stuff and sort of was like lazy and and was busy just making excuses and doing other things. And then like a year ago, I was like, what am I doing? I've, I, I've learned all this information. Why aren't I doing this? Mm-hmm. And like, and it's amazing when you do take these steps, the differences in your body that you can feel and also be tested and, and have, you know, better results. But, but there is a lot to be done these days. Yeah. So tell me about some of the things that you're, that you're now doing. Well, you know, so first I learned my numbers, um, you know, deep dive into my genetics. Um, cause I think that that's so important. Um, and learned my different risk factors and whatnot, what, what my genes are. Um, although someone just told me, gonna, I got to get the actual, whatever she said it was, but it was something along the lines of, I'm going to say, cause it's worthwhile to try to get to, which was your genes may be, God, it was like, your genes may be the finish line, but they don't have to be the journey or hmm. something like that. They don't have to be the end result. I'm going to get it. But you know what I mean? It's yeah. like your genes may say one thing, but what we can do to affect them may change what they say. Yeah. there's a, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to... Because mm-hmm. what you're talking about basically is epigenetics, the yeah, way that our exactly. choices influence the the, you know, the switching on or turning off of various genes. And so, you know, one way to look at it is like genes load the gun, but your diet and lifestyle pull the trigger. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. There you go. I could do this for a living. You could do that. (laughs) (laughs) We should make a t-shirt. Right. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So I learned my numbers. um, And then, you know, so then, and then it's, then it's all the areas. So it's diet. I love sugar. I do. And I'm, I, I haven't cut it out completely because I'm a human being and I deserve to live a life that, you know, has highs and lows in it. And so, um, but I do try to really limit it to once or twice a week. Um, and that took a while to get to that, by the way, I have to say, like, I was like, I will do that from the beginning. And it was like, no, I really couldn't. And like now, like close to a year later, I'm like, all right, I can do like Monday through Friday and on the weekends, I get one or two little cheats. Hmm. And like, and that seems to be working for me so far. Um, maybe I'll be able to stretch those out even more as the time goes on. What's your, what's your cheat food? Ice cream. Ice cream. Yeah. I just love it. If I could eat it three meals a day, I would. <laughs> it's I good. just would. And cookies. Favorite flavor? Uh, um, I, I mean, look, I don't want to discriminate because I think all ice cream flavors are worthy and... <laughs> Um, but I'm currently on a cookies and cream. Oh God. Yeah. So good. Are you, what are your, do you have cheats? Oh man. Um, how do you cheat? Do you cheat? I, what do I do? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Um, you know, I mean, I live like, I'm always like 
trying to find try. healthier ways of right. like getting the you try all the things i try all the things yeah i try all the things but i you know it's like um they now thankfully have the same way that uh you know the the movement for well what wider uh, awareness of celiac disease has created all these like gluten-free sure. products that now like you can find a gluten-free anything mm-hmm. um i think people's obsession with like keto and all that stuff mm-hmm. have kind of created um junk foods that, i mean they're still junk foods yeah but, right that, but that are <laughs> yes but yeah. that are like a little bit healthier i know seth and i are obsessed with this gluten-free pizza and the truth is i I don't care that it's gluten-free. I just really like it. But yeah. it's like, well, I guess I don't, maybe, although I don't have an issue with gluten, I don't think. I mean, who knows what it's doing internally. But, you know, but I love it. And I'm glad that it's out there. It seems a little healthier. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think when you're buying um, products marketed towards like the paleo movement, mm-hmm. like I'm not going to say that they're healthy products necessarily mm-hmm. because they have that that label on it, that, right. that branding on it. But... Mm-hmm. They are less likely to use unhealthy oils and refined sugar and things like that. So I'm all about it. Yeah. I'm fine yeah. with that. If you're yeah. going to cheat, if you're going to treat yourself. Right. Like, you can cheat healthy sometimes. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's true. Like I am all, I mean, although really it's sugar. Sugar's the, the yeah. bad thing. But, and even in healthy desserts. Okay. Sugar. So, so yeah. you're, you've. Yeah. So, so, so diet. So yes, yeah, so I'm really, and I'm, I intermittent fast, which I also thought was not possible and that is not true. It is so possible. I was like a big breakfast eater. And I, and not like unhealthy breakfast. I, well, well, that's not true. I ate cereal. But like, you know, but like, I wouldn't eat like Lucky Charms when I was a kid. I did. But like, you know, I would try to have my special K or my Cheerios. But like, it just, and even moved to eggs as like a grown up trying to be like, oh, I eat protein and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and like, and I was like, there's no way I'll be able to go without breakfast. And like, not, that's not true. I work, I do Orange Theory which is an intense workout without breakfast. And I am just fine. Hmm. And I actually, and I probably feel better, I would imagine. Have you seen, uh, you know, because I've got a lot of like female listeners, have mm-hmm. you seen a change in like body composition? Oh my God, I've lost almost 15 pounds. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I will say, and again, for any female listeners, nothing, I, I was intermittent fasting eating healthy, exercising six days a week, and my body didn't change at all for like three and a half, four months. I literally like, I started this in like September and I went to the doctor in October or December for like a checkup and I got on the scale and I'd lost like two pounds and I like cried because I was like, I've been working so damn hard. Like, it's like that, there was that commercial I always remember where it's like for like a weight loss supplement and it's like, man and a woman it's like he does it and he loses like 20 pounds in five minutes and she's like it's been three months i lost nothing um but um but then finally routine my body was like all right i see this i see that you're trying to change me i will listen and i will fall in line and so yes absolutely like and of course now i've gone back and i have blood tests and different body tests and different things and yes these things make a difference it's it's always frustrating i think when someone is like well you look so great what have you been doing and it's like diet and exercise and i think they're upset that it's like it wasn't a magic pill yeah i didn't eat a donut and sit on the couch and get in shape i worked hard for it and it's work every day so on top of that there's supplements you know there's and the brain health like i've you know tried new hobbies i mean it's artistic but my husband and I've started doing pottery because hmm. learning new shit is really good for your brain. Um, 
I have not be, been regular at it yet, but I'm trying so hard to create a meditation practice because that helps. You know, taking time for myself to like be a human, I think is really important instead of just working all the time. Yes. Um, you know, I've really like taken it seriously and I think it's made a huge difference. Huge difference. Yeah. Um, what about sleep? Oh my God, how could we have forgotten about sleep? So <laughs> I will give you the middle finger and show you my aura ring, which I love. Nice. You got so the platinum one. I've got the, the I mean, it? I think it's technically plastic, I assume, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but it looks nice, doesn't it? It does. It looks um, very nice. So for a while I wore the whoop. Did you wear the whoop? I did, yeah. I was you part wore the of whoop. the, yeah. yeah, the group. That yeah. Was, uh, the group whoop? The group whoop. I was part <laughs> of the group whoop. Oh, nice. Um, and I loved the whoop. Um um, and it was good, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like having a bracelet. I'm much more vain than that. So the ring really works out well for me. But, and this is actually more of a, a this is a bit more focused on sleep, uh, whereas the whoop was a little bit more on exercise. Obviously they both do both, but, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so I was not sleeping well. My deep sleep is still not great. I'm still working on it. I have increased it. So when I first started wearing this, um, I think I started in November wearing it, my deep sleep. I, I'm an amazing REM sleeper. I get as much as I need every night. Um, but my REM, I was getting probably about 20 minutes a night. Some nights, or my deep sleep, like five, like 20 minutes a night. Sometimes five minutes, sometimes three minutes of deep sleep. Like, mm. And that's not good for the brain. And so I've been doing a lot of work to try to fix that. And I have now consistently, I would say I get around 45 on average. Wow. Sometimes I get up a bit more I think last night I had like 30 minutes um what changed I mean what have you done that's improved your sleep so okay so schedule going to bed around the same time every night going to bed earlier Mm -hmm. because the amount of time in bed will no matter what increase your time asleep and so if I was going to bed too late but still had to wake up early again it's not that's not science, you yeah. know? And so that, um, huge difference, uh, temperature. So I sleep hot. A lot of women, a lot of dudes out there sleep hot too, but I sleep real hot, sweaty every night, all the, I mean, just drenched. And so worked on uh, just trying to change the temperature of my bedroom up, down, all around, and eventually got this thing called a chili pad, hmm. given a lot of endorsements today, um, <laughs> um, that goes on my bed and it, it, uh, it works in this way water flows through it and um and i uh it, it cools my bed down and so literally it has kept me cool that i think has been a huge thing really um it keeps me really cool at night um I, the ring tells me my temperature the other night i was i was down 0.8 degrees and i was like okay that was too cold <laughs> <laughs> too cold too cold gotta bring it back up a little bit um i've heard about this thing though i'm like i'm actually interested in trying it. it's pretty great um I used to only wear a, a sleep mask, like a light mask, um, for the second part of the night. I would like put it on in the middle of the night because I like was like, wow, oh, I don't need it when it's dark. I think wearing that all night made a huge difference. Um, and then I'm also sort of sound sensitive, so I got I I since I was eight years old, I've slept with a sound machine, which is crazy. But um, but we actually got a second sound machine, so now it's louder. Um, so it drowns out all the other sort of any sort of weird noise that could, you know, startle you awake while you're sleeping. So really it's been so many different factors. Oh, I got the blue light glasses, you know, that I wear if I look at my shit or want to watch TV before bed, you know, all the things. All the things. Yeah. But it's helped. I mean, clearly if I've gone from five to 20 minutes a night to 
an average of 45, it's helped. Yeah. Got to get it up more though. Now, so you're doing all these things. You're feeling great. You lost 15 pounds. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed a shift in, I mean, you're young and healthy, Mm -hmm. but even so, have you noticed any kind of a shift in your, in your cognition or even your mood? I mean, I take tests to track my cognition. So the answer is yes, I have improved those things. Um, But yeah, the truth is yes, because I feel good physically. And so that makes me feel better mentally. I mean, I can really tell you like when I've had a good night's sleep, I feel better all day. Like, and another thing that, that when you really start tracking your sleep and you start listening to your habits, like, so I know that if I have a heavy meal before bed with one or two glasses of wine, which is my limit because I'm a lightweight, um, the next day, well, I will sleep poorly that night and I will feel like shit the next day. Hmm. And I just know that now because I've been listening to it and paying attention to it. And so I really try to limit, like if someone's like, let's go to this awesome restaurant, I'll be like, great, can our reservation be at 7 p.m. instead of 8.30? Yeah. And obviously you can't do that 100% of the time. It happens. But like I spent a lot of June and July traveling and eating poorly and like my... Uh, my all my recoveries like my you know my numbers were all poor my sleep was poor like to the point where my doctor who monitors my ring called and was like what is happening and I was like I have not been in the same place for more than seven days for the last two months and Mm. that is what's happening consistency has made me unhealthy yeah I mean you definitely have a unique life situation where you're traveling all the time on the road but I think it's important for most people to realize um, and this is where the value of sleep consistency comes mm-hmm. in, which you kind of touched on. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you go to bed at a certain time every night mm-hmm. during the week, right? Yeah. Like say 11 p.m. every yeah. night during the week. But then you're staying up two to three to four hours later on weekends. Mm-hmm. Then you're basically starting oh. every single Monday jet lag. It's the, it's the equivalent of like crossing time well, zones. Well, I never thought about that, but you're totally yeah. right. Yeah, every single Monday. You're basically starting your week off every week right. jet lag. Wow, I never thought about it, but you're so right. Well, it's interesting. And, and in this profession, it's one of those things like when you are in production, it's so hard. And it's because it's like, you know, like, because I directed a movie last year and that was part of my excuse. Although the shooting of the movie only, of course, took five weeks. So like I could have gotten my ass in gear after that. But um, but it was like, well, we start at 6 a.m. on Monday, but then by Friday we start at 5 p.m. How can I possibly have a schedule? Because, you know, and that's production, but like... That's a finite amount of time, uh, but it is those little changes. I never thought about it that way. It is totally jet lag. That's so interesting. I'm going to think about it that way. Yeah, that's how Because that's how about. you feel. Like after a night out of partying, you're foggy, your body hurts, and it's just like jet lag. Mm-hmm. Totally. And then when it comes to eating late at night, I mean, Ugh. the way that I like to think about that is that, you know, at a certain hour, you've got to almost consider your digestive system, almost like a, like when you walk into a restaurant after hours, kitchen's closed. Right. Same thing applies in the body. Right. I mean, you'll still be able to digest food, let's right. be honest, but nothing is working as efficiently um, when it comes to your digestion mm-hmm. and metabolism late at night because, yeah. I mean, your body basically is, during that time of day, your body's prioritizing what's going to facilitate sleep right. and rest and rejuvenation. Right. Right. And you want it to because yeah. you need, like I said, like now that I've done all this and I know how important deep sleep is as an example, I'm doing everything I possibly can to get more deep sleep because I know that's good for my brain. Yeah. So important. Yeah. Yeah. Crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sleep is like, uh, are you a Game of Thrones fan? Uh, of course. Yeah. I it's, breathe. It's sort of like, you know how, okay, so the idea is, no spoilers if you haven't 
I mean, yeah, at this point, at this point, right? At this point, <laughs> doesn't matter. Okay, so skip you, ahead if you've not watched. Yes, <laughs> so you know how like basically you have to kill the Night King, right? To to destroy all the White Walkers, right? <laughs> but once you get the one, uh-huh. the Night King, right? They all fall, right? right? They're all right. slain basically. Right. Sleep. Get optimizing your sleep, I feel, in many ways is like killing the Night King. Yeah. Because like everything else just becomes so much easier. Right. Right. Well, well, then, and of course, because it, it makes, well, the, the interesting thing is, is how sleep and exercise really do go together. Hmm. Because I really do feel, and I, God, I feel like such a crazy person because I was always like, I will never be addicted to exercise. That's bullshit. <laughs> no one is actually addicted to exercise. There's no way exercise makes people feel better. And, I was wrong, and I'm happy to say I was wrong because exercise does make me feel better. I do. I don't wake up every morning wanting to exercise. I certainly don't. But there are some mornings I do, and I know that a lot of those days where I've exercised better, I'm actually going to sleep better that night. Totally. And it's interesting how they go hand in hand. And what are the modalities that work for you? It's Orange Theory, you said, which is... Yeah, so I, I was a gymnast growing up, and so it's like growing up like I was the kind of girl who was like ballet is boring I need to like do something harder I'm like when mm, you really like push and so like you know like I love yoga but like I'm like snoozing away in there and like and so I it's good to like stretch sometimes but like when I do a workout I need to like push myself really hard and so I like Orange Theory has really worked for me but I think it's important to find what works for you because everyone's different like you know my brother was like really into CrossFit for a while and now he's like into boxing hmm. Um, which is obviously great exercise, um, you know, but I like, there are a few things I like about it, which is, and there's a point system and I'm very competitive with myself. And I like that, like, I have an app on my phone that tells me that I've at, in August, I'd already worked out twice as much as I had the year before this year wow. and like made me feel really good. That's amazing. You know what I mean? Cause I like, I like getting that feedback cause as a gymnast, I like needed scores I guess yeah. <laughs> and like and so um and I like it because it's um I don't think while I'm in there it's like it's almost like a meditative thing it's like I'm exercising and meditating at the same time yeah it's like in an odd way you know what I mean I'm just like being physical and present and like it feels like it's mental work so that's really worked for me and luckily hit workouts are good for the brain so they say um so, yeah, so I do that, and I work out with a trainer also. I do weights. I have an elliptical here. You know, when I'm in New York, I walk or, you know, try to be out in my environment. I'll walk a little here, but it's not quite as fun. Yeah. We're <laughs> yeah. lucky, though. We live in we live in L.A. We've got, like, nature. I know. Everywhere. Everywhere. You can just be outside. Like, yeah. yeah. You've got a dog. I've got a – well, I've got a lazy dog. Lazy dog. Lazy dog. Somewhere. Who who will go on walks um, begrudgingly. They're good for, you know, the <laughs> microbiome. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, aside from, yeah, you get to walk them. But they also, like, just having a dog in the house is, mm-hmm. pr- is probably one of the best ways of uh, encouraging, like, diversity of the microbes that live in your yeah. in your large intestine. Yeah. You know, that, that Does wacky. she give me her dog microbiomes? She gives you dog microbi- microbes and the microbes of many other things that you probably don't want to know about. You do? <laughs> Look at her. She's over there. You do? That's so nice of you. And your love. (laughs) I get your love and that. So Um, cute. Do you have a dog? I don't have a cat. So not not quite the same, but I mean... Yeah. Actually, cats, you know, there's some thinking they give you this bacteria, toxoplasmosis gondii, which is like 
there's a they basically there's a there's a bacterium that uh, basically in in mice it makes mice less afraid of cats. It makes it makes the mice like want to be around the urine, mm-hmm. which is thought to help the cat better capture the, Nature's the mouse. Nature's way yeah, of feeding it's like, cats. Yeah, it's super strange. Weird. Yeah. I haven't like, I mean, I'm just like right. talking off of what I think I remember about it. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But no, cats do like, they do foster mm-hmm. that microbial diversity, just not mm-hmm. to the same degree as a dog that you take yeah. outside and that's yeah. sniffing all kinds of other things, you know. Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Well, so what's next for Hilarity for Charity? And, oh and man. Well, um, I don't know when you're planning on airing this thing, but... Um, Soonish. September 14th, uh, Hilarity for Charity has our... So this year, so normally we do, you know, we do these big variety shows. We have our show that's on Netflix um, that anyone can watch. Um, mm. But we're going to change it up this year. And we're going to do a carnival um, September 14th in downtown LA. Damn, nice. Um, and it's going to be great. So the whole thing will have sort of a, a brain health active activity throughout the carnival. But it'll just be a carnival. But then also, uh, instead of comedians on stage telling jokes, they're going to be the ones working the ri- the game, not the rides. We'll have professionals working the rides, <laughs> so they'll be safe. We'll have comedians doing like the, uh, like the whack-a-mole and the, my favorite is like the water gun thing where you sp- spray the water and the balloon explodes or the horse goes across or whatever. Those are fun. And so comedians will be doing those games and we'll have some Any fun. that you can name for listeners? Um, I think I'm... N- not allowed only because we have like a press release thing. Okay, and okay, okay. Depending on when this, I'm sure, I don't know. I'll get the timing wrong and I'll say something. But, well, I will say this. I, this we did announce that Tony Hawk is going to come and set up his half pipe into a show. That's pretty cool. That we were, we did already announce. So, but I think it's either later this week or early next we'll announce sort of our lineup. I don't think it's roster, our roster. The roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get it. You don't, yeah. I mean, the, the genius life is big, but it's not the today show. Mm-hmm, so you mm-hmm, want to like unveil mm-hmm. it. Like, yeah. I, I get it. I get yeah. It. Yeah, but but you know it's we've had some amazing supporters at Hilarity for Charity in the past, so it'll be of the same amazing comedians that you'll you'll want to play skee ball with them. Not Love to it. worry. Love it. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. I mean, for for doing what you're doing and using, you know, I mean, it, I'm sure you're privy to the fact that there can celebrity can be used for so many things, but in the health and wellness world, most often it's used to sell like detox teas, and, <laughs> you know, yeah. appetite suppressing lollipops or whatever. Right. Um, but you're kind of harnessing your, you know, amazing position in a way that I think is like obviously really beautiful and really powerful. Thank you. So. Thank you. As are you, by the way, doing, you know, I always say like, we got to all do this together. It's like not one person. And the more you like humanize this disease and share stories and, and humanize preventing it and health, like the, the more prevalent it'll be and the faster we will be to this thing being something of yesterday. Yeah. And young people need to care. They need to, you know, Mm -hmm. they need to give a shit. Yeah. Well, I think it's like, you know, it's all a, it's a, it's a relatability, a relatability thing. You know what I mean? There are certain diseases that have cute dogs as their poster children or, or adorable children. And then they're, they're, they're less sad or scary to get involved with. And I, and I totally get that. And they have a bit more hope involved and, you know, we just humanize this thing and eventually people will, will come because yeah. we're so not alone. So Body parts. I mean, people are so protective over boobs, which of course they should be, <laughs> should right? Be, of yeah, course, yeah. Of course. But yeah. like also, hello, right. let's just like broaden out the, the you know, let's pull the lens back a little right, bit. Right, right, You right. know, I mean, brains matter too, right? Right, right, right. It's, yeah, so. 
Um, brains matter too. Brains matter too. So one last question for you, but yeah. uh, before we get to that, how can listeners like connect with you, social media, all that stuff? Yeah, social media. I'm there. I always forget my name. I think I. I think on Instagram, I'm Lauren Miller Rogan. On Twitter, I think I am. I am Lauren Miller. And of course, there's uh, Hilarity for Charity is on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Um, if anyone is on there, um, of course, hilarityforcharity.org is our website. You know, all the places. Just search for Hilarity for Charity and you'll find us. And people can like come to events. They can also donate. Come to I'm events. Sure. You can donate. You, if you're in need, you can apply for our care grant program. Um, you can throw your own Hilarity for Charity event through HFC Presents. We have people throwing Hilarity for Charity events. God, I feel like almost every weekend someone, some wonderful, kind person is in their hometown throwing a fundraiser at a bar or a gym or a hair salon or just doing something raising money for us which is so awesome so everyone can do that um if you want to connect we have online support groups for young people who are having trouble finding the time to drive to a support group and also having trouble finding other people who understand their situation we have a book club we just started for caregivers to also get support and to learn about you know better ways to care for your loved one or yourself you got to put genius foods in that as part Please, of the book club. would love to have it in there. Yeah. Let's do it. We're just finishing the first round. And then, you know, I'm. this is one of the most amazing things about having good people on your staff. I actually don't know what the next book is, and I'm proud to say that because I've learned to delegate, which is something I'm doing to take care of my brain. Nice. So. Important. Yeah. All right. Well, so. We'll, uh, all we'll, the things. We'll, all the things. We'll, we'll definitely, we'll connect Great. with that person, put Genius Foods on the radar. Yes. Um, all right, Lauren. So what is it? This is the question I guess I ask everybody yeah. on the show. You take it wherever you want. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to you to live like a genius? What does living a genius life mean to you? Oh, boy. Living a genius life. Well, I'll say this. I've really sort of just come back to the fact that sort of just trying to always remind myself that it's really hard to be a person. In so many different ways, it is hard to be a person, but it is also so fucking great to be a person and to always remember and I struggle with it and I would like to think that if I can balance that 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 I will be a genius but that life is a balance of that it's those moments that are really fucking hard but then those moments that are really really great and that maybe to find a balance in that and to always remember one when you're in the other that it's okay that they exist together and that could be a genius life beautiful Amen. Well, you're awesome. Thank this you. was really fun. You're awesome. Yeah, you're invited back anytime. Whenever you want to come you. back and Thank chat. Um, we we have something that uh, we're gonna do. I won't announce it, but a, a big sort of brain health thing, hopefully in January, and maybe we'll come back then and sort of talk about it. Dope. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Come into it. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, I value your time and attention. Take a moment to spread what we're doing here at The Genius Life. Tag your favorite, uh, highlight your favorite quote from Lauren or I. Tag us each. Spread the word. That would mean the world. And I will catch you on the next episode. Peace.